Hi, welcome to Getting Comfortable, a UCCS student-led podcast dedicated to unpacking the relationship between Islam and the West, where no one is an expert. The intention of this podcast is to lead with curiosity and have a conversation that identifies concepts and analyzes content and that centers around different learning approaches uh, concerning the relationship between the constructs that are Islam and the West. All right. Well, hi, my name is Isaac. And my name is Nico. And for this module, Nico and I have read through the introductory piece of Ottoman history, Daniel Goffman's The Ottoman Empire and Early Modern Europe, in addition to a letter composed by Austrian ambassador to the Ottoman court, Ogier Ghislaine de Buzbek, on his travels throughout the Ottoman realm. Naturally, both readings are cited in our episode's description if the listener would like to read in parallel to our engagement. So, Ottoman centrism as the focus, I mean, of the our module, it's right there in the title, uh, a pretty significant element of one of our readings. Goffman very much centers around that. Um, but, uh, in terms of our immediate reactions to that term, I think mine was, you know, given, you know, my exposure to the idea of Eurocentrism, Ottoman centrism sounds pretty similar to that, but concerning the Ottoman realm. So um, I had it, you know, I'd interpreted it more as uh, sort of the reorientation of historical discourse, uh, particularly in the construction of narrative frameworks for the uh, discussion of, of history around the Ottoman realm as opposed to Eurocentrism, which is much more pervasive um, within a lot of, you know, quote-unquote Western historiography. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, coming into the course um, that we have, Islam in the West, um, you know, I had never really heard of Ottoman centrism, really, or a Eurocentric perspective. Um, I've never really come across these terms. Um, but throughout this class, um, and especially kind of this module, learning Ottoman centrism and um, kind of how my view as a Westerner, as a, as a Eurocentric viewpoint, um, I thought this was just kind of a really interesting um, kind of, um, idea and, um, yeah, was very curious about it when I first, um, started reading into it. Um, I had never considered trying to put myself into kind of a different point of view, um, when thousands of miles away, but, um, that it was, uh, similarly important. Um, and I think, um, a very interesting, very, very important to um, learn, especially here in the West, kind of a different perspective, an Ottoman-centristic Ottoman uh, perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, definitely as a sort of uh, foil to the so often, um, you know, discussed or, or presented Eurocentric view um, uh, or framework for history. I think it's um, pretty interesting and useful both as a way of sort of exposing a lot of the reduction um, that, you know, pervades a lot of um, 
you know, Eurocentric historiographies, um, but, uh, you know, also as simply an alternative view, you know, as Goffman puts it, you know, the physical world has neither apex nor nadir, and it makes just as much geographic sense to take an equally arbitrary case to study the far west, quote unquote, Europe, uh, from the viewpoint of the near west, you know, in this case, the quote unquote Middle East, or specifically the Ottoman realm in this instance, um, as it does to, uh, to foreground the successor states of Christendom. And I think sort of as a TLDR, or too lazy didn't read, Goffman, um, you know, states, and I quote, uh, if we imagine Istanbul rather than Paris at the middle of the world, Ottoman relations with the rest of Europe assume a startling character. And I think that's uh, a, a pretty um, you know, succinct summation of, uh, you know, the idea of uh, the, the central tenet, I suppose, of Ottoman centrism as coined by and described uh, by, by Goffman. Um, but yeah, no. So we had two pieces. One, a primary source, the letters of Uzbek, um, sort of in his uh, travel travels throughout the Ottoman realm, and then Goffman's own introduction to uh, a work of his, specifically the Ottoman Empire in early modern Europe. Um, but yeah, Isaac. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a perfect segue, like you said, into. Ogier Gislain de, de Busbeck's The Turkish Letters, um, which he wrote in September of 1555. Um, and this letter was um, a, this was a letter to his friend um, that is ambassador of King Ferdinand. He had just returned from a trip to England where he celebrated the marriage of King Philip and Queen Mary. Um, and upon his return, he was immediately sent back or sent to Constantinople and Amasia by Ferdinand to open negotiations with the Turkin Sultan, Turkish Sultan Suleiman, pardon. Um, and so much of his account in his travels into the Turkish lands and of his time among them, he notes everything from the physical beauty and the features of the landscape to the Turks' peculiarities. Um, so really a quote that really defines his stay with the Turks is when he notices pieces of paper stuck in the walls of the various inns that he stayed at, um, this can be found on page 27, where he states, I learned from my friends that the Turks have a great respect for paper because many, because the name of God may be written upon it. So they never allow a scrap of paper to lie about and immediately pick up any that they find and thrust into some hole or cranny in order to, that it may not be trodden underfoot. Again, found on page 27. Um, I think this is a kind of a, a really interesting observation that encapsulates the tone of superiority and uh, kind of a Eurocentric view that Boosbeck sets in his letter. Um, you know, and, and as we move on through the letter, one of the main focuses of this module um, was to kind of note how Boosbeck describes the Ottoman institutions in court. And he does this in the last part of his letter where he describes the Sultan's court in Amasia um, and how he, he first met with the chief vizier and pashas as he waited for the Sultan to return. Uh, when they finally met with Solomon, they had to follow special rules, such as holding their arms for the safety of the Sultan, and they could never show their back to him, as this was a sign of disrespect. 
um, further in, um, within Suleiman's court, there were numerous attendants, including Janissaries. Uh, these were an elite group of soldiers in the Ottoman Empire. Um, and Buzbek noted that the members of the court were there due to their personal merits and bravery. This is noted on page 59, uh, but they were not noted by their birth positions, um, interestingly enough. And additionally, everyone wore similar garments, though they had different hues and materials based on their ranks. And this was kind of an emphasis to place on the economical and efficient way of dressing rather than a fashionable way. Yeah, and I think the, of um, Buzbeck's writings, it, it, there's such a, a focus, and this is mirrored by, you know, later sort of quote-unquote Western historical writing or um, sort of uh, writing intended, you know, was intended to describe the quote-unquote Orient um, or, or these, these peripheral non-European areas. There is this fascination, this fixation with you know the characteristics deemed to be you know strange um or simply a, a exotic um like the the uh, decorum like that you were describing that was sort of required um that was mandated by the ottoman court um when it came to sort of meeting with standing before suleiman um it's it's described as this you know odd sort of arcane set of of procedures um that he was simply pressed into adhering uh, or you know pressed uh to you know to adhering to um but yeah and i i there there is that focus on what is odd what is you know uh oriental or so so fundamentally different um and i think as you know boosbeck's letters here as like an early sort of foray into the European travel or quote unquote, West, quote unquote Western travel literature um, that really, you know, booms um, in the, the you know, 18, you know, 17th, 18th, you know, 19th centuries as that grows, you know, that, that waxes and then eventually becomes commodified and sold. You get travel brochures and all that sort of stuff um, selling you the idea of this sort of, the, the, the myth of say the ottoman realm or, or these other non-european exotic places so that's pretty interesting about Buzbek, um is his focus on what is you know so you know strange to him from from his uh his position um moving into goffman so we have a, a contemporary historian um writing uh a, you know of sorts a sort of a polemic um in regards to the framing of Ottoman histories um, or Ottoman history, which, you know, up to that point had pretty prevalently been, you know, of the sort of Eurocentric variety. Um, but he starts off discussing um, the, you know, reductive othering of the, the, the Ottoman realm, again, that, that so pervades Western historiography, specifically by engaging with the work of another modern historian jason goodwin um in his uh lords of the horizons a history of the ottoman empire so this piece that purports to to you know provide you know uh you know this objective view of of the totality of of uh ottoman history um but what goffman picks up on is 
Goodwin's, um, you know, uh, the, the, the primacy that Goodwin places on this Ottoman militancy, right? This martial characteristic of the, the empire, um, a quote that Goffman pulls from Goodwin's work, um, you know, Goodwin trying to highlight how ludicrously militaristic um, the Ottomans were, uh, being, quote, every governor in this empire was a general. Every policeman was a janissary. Every mountain pass had its guards and every road a military destination. Um, you know, trying to really impress upon any reader just how thoroughly militaristic they were. But also there's this tacit suggestion that it is un-European, right? That the Europeans weren't like this, right? They didn't, you know, they weren't nearly as belligerent and, and focused on, you know, plundering and expansion to maintain their growing uh, nation states. Um, Goffman, of course, repudiates this pretty much immediately. Um, that, that framing device that, that Goodwin used um, by discussing the uh, elements of, of, you know, late medieval European states that were equally militaristic. Um, so, and, and I, I quote from, from Goffman uh, here on uh, the first page of his introduction, even more misleadingly, they imply that such militarism was somehow peculiarly foreign and contrary to Western norms. The truth is that such portrayals not only privilege a single aspect of a rich and varied world, but could also describe virtually any state in early modern Europe. Did the early modern Habsburg state, the French state, or the English state somehow not live for war? Again, that the living for war is taken directly from Goodwin, how he describes the um, nature of you know, the Ottoman realm as living for war. But uh, you know, were, were the, again, I quote, were the sheriffs of England not also both policemen and soldiers? And end of quote. So yeah, he he immediately undermines that um that that framing of Goodwin, this very Eurocentric position. Um he then moves on to um discuss, as we were talking about in regards to Buzbek, the um, obsession with the exotic fixtures of the Ottoman realm as distinct from the standards of Europe. Um, and then, you know, with the uh, implicit suggestion of inferiority that sort of comes as a result of those differences. Um, you know, should we believe that, and again, I quote from, from Goffman, should we believe that you know, the Habsburg Charles V or French Francis I were less bellicose than their Ottoman contemporary Suleiman? Um, you know, he goes on to discuss the distinction, you know, that there was a, a distinctiveness to the Ottoman polity, but there is to every polity. Um, and that the characteristics that Goodwin and that so much of, uh, and you know, more broadly Eurocentric histories delve into, that it's it's really more of a caricature and a, a stereotype, a a a legend a part of, of the, the quote-unquote Western canon. Um, but uh, he, he goes on to uh, outline the characteristics of, you know, what he describes as the Ottoman-centric lens, um, you know, which, say, in Eurocentric histories, for example, the nascent Ottomans are described as this, you know, roaming barbaric force, you know, going around and pillaging and finding much success in that. 
Um, whereas, you know, as he states, one could just as easily cast the early expansion of the Ottomans not in this particularly negative light, you know, as you know, the, this you know uh, barbaric despoiling expansion um, as one of of sort of liberation, right? With the, the this this Ottoman state coming into its own. Um, you know, really the foundation of this, this pretty wide entity. Um, and then he discusses economic ties, um, moving into the idea of the time, sort of even throughout Europe, that the Ottoman realm was not necessarily distinct. It was very much a part of this wider concert of, you know, this, this, this Western civilization, um, that they were very much, they, they played a role. Um, so there is this economic and cultural interaction that takes place between uh, Europe and, and the Ottoman Empire that he describes um, as a sort of, is developing into a sort of symbiosis. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the Ottomans too, as a successor to Byzantium, which was for the longest time or, or for a, a period sort of the or at least among the preeminent states of you know the western world or of christendom and with the incorporation of a lot of byzantine structures of um, you know, institutions you know from bureaucracy to to you know the the arts and the like that yeah they were a, a, a sort of successor and very much a part of this this, this wider, quote-unquote, um, Europe, right? This set of interactions between, uh, you know, Europe and, and, and uh, the Ottoman realm. But, uh, but yeah, um, that's, for the most part, Goffman. Um, so, in studying, you know, Isaac, would you, was there anything, or is there anything that stands out to you um, regarding the significance of Ottoman centrism as an alternate framing device. Um, I think you, you mentioned sort of this alternate viewpoint, definitely, but is there a, a utility to it in, like, say, deconstructing Europe um, or challenging Eurocentrism? Yeah, I, I certainly think so. Um, you know, looking at it from a purely Western perspective, which is how it is so often taught in our universities, um, in academia for us. And this kind of trickles down into um, kind of the general um, population of the West. I think we just kind of, it, it comes across as a very high-minded, um, very superior idea of ourselves and quote, how we place quote, ourselves unquote, in history. Quote, unquote, West. I think. Uh, yeah, yes. Really yeah. It, it, that. Right. It, it's all kind of. It's a, it's um, a construction. Yeah. yeah it's, it's made up to a certain, for sure. Yes. Um, but, you know, we, we have kind of put ourselves in this position of kind of how we decide and how we influence um, history. And I think we put ourselves on a pedestal there. And I agree with you. You know, you said earlier in the podcast that, um, you know, 
maybe Ottoman centrism isn't necessarily um, kind of attacking that. It's not necessarily diametrically opposed to it, but it's offering a different way of looking at history. And I kind of like the way uh, I, I like the way you said that because I agree. Um, I think that um, it it should be history focused. It shouldn't be you know one group of people kind of controlling or trying to control the currents of history, but to look at it through multiple lenses. And I think Ottoman centrism is another way to look at history, um, to incorporate kind of a larger range, if you will. Um, sure. And I, I think that's very important, you know, because they, they did add quite a bit. They, um, they brought quite a lot to the table in terms of the structuring of government and bureaucracy. Um, as well as just kind of the overall character and strength that they had, um, especially in terms of their faith um, in, in Islam. And so, you know, I, I do, I think it's a very, um, it's a good thing to consider Ottoman centrism if you are considering history. I think, I think, you know, it's what really interesting to me about the sort of Ottoman-centric lens um, sort of uh, proposed here by Goffman is its utility sort of in highlighting a lot of the um, deficiencies, historically speaking, of the, you know, sort of Eurocentric lens. And by, you know, altering the, the you know, the fulcrum of global history, you know, from, you know, say, Western Europe, you know, there's, you know, uh, metropolitan centers, you know, like Paris or London or even Vienna, changing that and, and sort of as Goffman himself puts it, you know, centering, you know, the world, having it uh, revolve ab about, say, Istanbul or, you know, the, the, the Ottoman realm. It, it highlights just the, the, the degree to which Eurocentrism has precipitated, you know, uh, essentialization. In history, there's there's so much that's that's marginalized or, um, you know, simply pushed away, you know, as as, as uh, an element of the periphery or the focus on, you know, differences as being, you know, paramount and, you know, the the say the the oddities or peculiarities of another culture, you know, being contrasted with the the heights of European you know, achievement or civilization. Um, and, you know, that reference frame, you, it's, it, it can be certainly coming from, you know, uh, educational institutions that very much, inc or, you know, in inculcate sort of a Eurocentric perspectives of historical developments um, in a lot of, you know, a lot of Americans, just the, the American education institution. Um, and it, it really, it challenges it in this sort of indirect fashion. It's not, hey, let's go and just, you know, let, let's deconstruct Europe directly. Not that we haven't done that. Absolutely check out, uh, uh Kat and Amanda's podcast that do precisely that in their, uh, uh, what I think second episode of, of the, our, uh, group podcasts here, um, but it, it really, it, it 
it, it, it serves or it, it privileges a lot of the nuances that are lost in Eurocentrism, um, which I think is is nice. And yeah, again, really just highlights, oh, wow, you know, how much is just missing, how, the erasure that is brought about by, by Eurocentrism. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting um, instrument um, to be able to really, you know, come to grips with just how much is, is, is uh, left out um, in, in a lot of the histories that we tend to be exposed to. But um, yeah, uh, moving on. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Boozbeck, his letters, you know, related, you know, relating to Ottoman institutions or, or um, just characteristics that, that, you know, he found to be, you know, of note that he included in his, his letters. Um, what, uh, what, was there anything in particular that stood out to you and how he, he describes, um, a lot of these institutions, um, and maybe some of the ramifications thereof? Yeah, um, absolutely. So kind of going back to, uh, the summary of, you know, the aforementioned summary, um, you know, when we were talking about his kind of air of superiority, um, I think Boozbeck has another um, quote that really stands out to me. You know, this is on page 25, where he says, the softening the heart of the Turk who hates all other nations, money acts like a charm to soothe their otherwise intractable minds. Were it not for this expedient, their country would be as inaccessible to foreigners as those lands which are supposed to be condemned to perpetual solitude by excessive heat or cold. So yeah, he really takes this, this Eurocentric air of superiority um, over the Ottomans, um, and it comes across very well, um, or, or yeah, it comes across um, quite apparently. Um, and I think that's just kind of a very interesting thing to take away, especially um, from, you know, uh, someone who isn't, doesn't live very far away from the Ottomans. You know, he's, he's in Rome um, or, or, you know, yeah, yeah. He's, he doesn't have a, a great physical distance between them. And yet, even with that minimal distance, he has this idea um, in his mind um, as he goes across, um, as he travels to Constantinople and, and, and Amasia, and um, kind of carries that back with him. And uh, was there, in, in regards to stereotyping and, and reduction, would you say that sort of Boozbeck, his focus on, you know, what was strange to him or what was exotic and, and different, did that, con would you say that that really contributed to, you know, in, in some, you know, smaller or significant um, you know, way to the significance of stereotyping in the, you know, Eurocentric histories, um, how there is just, there is focus placed on, you know, what's strange, different, and odd, you know, putting that in, in you know, or you know, contrasting that with, you know, the, the greatness of Europe, um, you know, quote-unquote greatness, obviously. Um, but was there anything there in Boozbeck that, that really contributed to that um, 
pattern of reduction of erasure even? Yeah, um, I think so. You know, in um, in his travels, you can see the contrasting of how he looks at the beautiful landscapes um, and kind of sees all these these very different things that he's used to. Um, and he, you know, kind of orientalizes it very much so. Um, but then he gets to the Turks themselves, the people themselves. And you see this difference between um, how he views the landscape and how he kind of glorifies it a little bit, um, but then kind of tears down the Turks at the same time. Um, and so I think there's this very much this air of orientalizing of the Turks, um, you know, including into the courts as well. He, he very he looks at the the outfits, the turbans, he looks at it all and he, he kind of has um, these very high opinions, these very pointed opinions about it. Um, I think that speaks off very well. Yeah, and I, yeah, very much indicative of uh, sort of what, what was to come, I think, in uh, sort of European travel literature, um, a lot of which, you know, would, would uh, yeah, uh, come into its own and, and, and really become a, a commodity, um, a form of, you know, even early mass culture in Europe. Um, you know, these, these discussions of these, you know, far-flung, peripheral, exotic lands. Um, and yeah, and I, I think even in, in talking about the Turks as a monolith, I think that that definitely contributes to that too. They are the Turks, right? When in reality, we're talking about a, a realm, you know, that spans, you know, a, a great geographical area. You know, it's, it's you get this multi-confessional, poly-ethnic element to the Ottoman Empire as an institution or set of institutions um, that in order to, you know, perpetuate itself and in order to continue to exist, had to make room for that sort of accommodation of, you know, many others, which the European nation states or, or that idea, which were, you know, being gestated at the time, right? As Buzbek is, is writing this, you know, you get ideas of, uh, you know, national, cultural, linguistic, you know, uh, homogeneity um, that just does not exist within the Ottoman realm. But you know, you get the idea of the the homogenous Turk, um, and then yeah, the the you know the intrigue of all these these little idiosyncrasies, um, and and sort of there's 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 an air of almost gossipiness to some of it um, with you know in, in in composing this for a friend, you know oh you know this odd thing or this other strange thing, but uh, yeah no absolutely, um, but yeah so that was. That was Ottoman centrism, Goffman and Buzbek, um, radically different sources, radically different pieces, but uh, sort of how they, you know, the, the nature of Ottoman centrism um, and its utility. Um, yeah, I agree. Very important things to discuss, very important things to go over, um, very important to share in the academia world. Um, you know, as an institution, I think it has a lot of power um, to change, to change the way we think um, as a culture. And so I think it, it kind of starts with 
with this. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for tuning into our episode on uh, on Goffman, Buzbeck, and Ottoman centrism. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that was our second episode right there wrapped up. Um, yeah. Very awesome. Tune in next time. Um, certainly to us, obviously, but, you know, up to our esteemed colleagues as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening and look forward to next time. All right. Have a good one.